and welcome to this week's podcast. This is Josh Carlson with Hilltop Community Church, and I just want to say we're really glad that you joined us today. If you're new to the church, make sure to visit us online at hilltopchurchnv.com and fill out one of the online connection cards. We'd love to get connected with you and just say hello. While you're there, you can also find out more information about the church, get connected with Bible studies, submit prayer requests, and even find other sermons on the website as well. Now, make sure that you have your coffee, have your Bible, and your notepad ready to go, because we're about to get started with today's message. As we get into our Easter series, is we're going to be talking about uh, Jesus being the Lord of, of truth, uh, the Lord of love, um, and then also the Lord of life. And so this morning, we're going to talk about truth. Um, and so kind of like, how do we know truth? Uh, what, what versions of truth are out there? Uh, where do you go to find truth? Uh, it's, a, it's a really important thing for us to look at. Uh, and kind of the quote I wanted to open you up thinking about this morning, this is Mark Twain, it's easier to fool people than to convince them that they have been fooled. Um, and uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but when we enter this world and our, and our broken humanity, we enter the world as fools um, who have been fooled. Um, and there is a, there is a lie that is um, pervasive. It, it is part of who we are as humans. It goes deep into our flesh and into our heritage. Um, and uh, Jesus had a lot to say about uh, truth. Now, within our culture, one of the things that you'll run into is that truth is subjective. Uh, it's based upon um, or influenced by personal feelings, you know, kind of my, my feelings, my, my preferences, my tastes, my opinions. Well, that's where we go often for truth within our culture. Uh, it's highly individualistic and experiential. There's no single standard to understand truth when we talk about truth within the culture that we live in right now. Now, uh, here at Hilltop, when we, when we look for truth, we say that there's the first place that we go is to the person of Jesus and the Bible. Um, if you want to know what truth is, uh, we believe that, that God has revealed truth through his son Jesus and also through the scriptures. And so uh, that's our primary filter as we go to the person of Jesus and to the scriptures. And that's what we're going to do this morning. It's what we do every Sunday uh, when we look for truth. And then we're going to apply some logic and reason. We're going to say as we, as we understand the scriptures, um, how, how can we do that? And so what was going on culturally at the time? And what was the history that was happening at the time? And, and what was the original writer's intent for the original reader? And uh, what do we know to be true from science now? Are there things that we can understand about our mind that scripture confirms? Are there things that, you know, uh, so that's a secondary filter. What is, what do we know about logic and reason? And then the last one is our personal experience. And so personal experiences last for us. And so based upon uh, what I've experienced in my life and what I know to be true about God, uh, I, I can have a deeper grasp of uh, what it is to, to know him. Uh, and, and so truth in that, or experience in that case is last when we go to understand truth. Now, uh, there's a move within uh, postmodern or progressive Christianity to invert this. And so a lot of times what happens now within Christianity is people they approach the Bible and the first filter is what is my personal experience. Um, and so my personal experience is uh, that uh, the culture says that we should do certain things and I kind of want to fit in with the culture. And so I'm going to allow my personal experiences and my preferences to be laid on top of the scriptures so that I'm going to read it through my own personal filter. And then maybe I'll apply some logic and some reason. And then last, what we'll do is we'll talk about what did, what did Jesus have to to say and what does the continuity of God's word have to say and so in, in that case we're, we're actually inverting how to understand the Bible and if you get things in the wrong order um, you get the wrong 
conclusion. And so that, that's something that we have to watch out for is that we don't allow our personal experience to influence the way that we read the scriptures. We want to allow the person of Jesus and God's word to speak for itself. Uh, we want to apply some logic and some reason. And then uh, based upon what we know from that, how should my personal experience uh, match what God has revealed? Now, if you're with us this morning and, and you're just sort of living in the stream that is our culture, um, all that probably sounded pretty weird to you because our culture, it is 100% subjective perspective. Um, it's you do you. Whatever works for you is fine. Whatever works for me is fine. Uh, we'll sort of figure this out on our own without, um, without God. And that's kind of the world that we live in right now. And so as I go into this, what I want you to see is that, first of all, the Bible has a lot to say about truth, but, but so did Jesus. And one of the first things that uh, as we enter into this, we're going to be in the Gospel of John. Uh, if you want to open your Bibles to John chapter 8, that's where we'll spend most of our time. But I'm going to show you this theme of truth that is weaved throughout the Gospel of John. And when he opens his gospel, uh, what he says, he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This timeless truth uh, became a human being, Jesus, and he lived among us. And we observed his glory, the glory as the only one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And so when we encounter Jesus, we're encountering truth. Not subjective truth, not how I feel about truth, but an objective, timeless truth about who God is, who we are as humans, and how to be in right relationship with God. That's what we're going to look at this morning as we go through these scriptures within the Gospel of John. Now, if you know the story of Jesus, obviously we, at Christmas time we celebrate his birth, the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Uh, and then there's a period of time of his growing up where we have a little bit of information. And then right around his 30th birthday, he enters into public ministry and he's baptized in the Jordan River and he is proclaimed by John the Baptist as uh, the, uh, John the Baptist being the forerunner for the Messiah. And then Jesus shows up on the scene and he calls his disciples and he goes through a process of a three-year ministry where he's in Galilee and he's then spending a little bit of time in Judea and he's really ticking off the religious leaders because he's telling them that they have a wrong understanding of who God is, that they've missed. Their version of truth is not the version of truth. They've missed what who God is and what God wants to do. Um, and so he has to leave Jerusalem fairly regularly so that he doesn't get killed. And he goes through a process of this over a three-year period, coming back to Jerusalem, going into Judea, spending a little bit of time in Samaria. And then at the end of that period, at the end of that three-year period, um, two weeks ago, Ken talked about raising Lazarus from the dead. And after he raises Lazarus from the dead, he has his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, right? He rides the donkey in on Palm Sunday and they lay the branches down and he, he enters in and they're hailing him as the Messiah. And the religious leaders say, look, the whole world's going after him. We're going to lose our place and our nation and this thing is falling apart. And so what they do is uh, they then uh, they pay Judas, one of Jesus' disciples. They pay him some silver and he betrays Jesus. And they then capture Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then he goes through two false trials with Jewish leadership. And then after the two false trials with Jewish leadership, they hand him over to Pilate. And in John chapter 18, we have some of what happened in this interaction with Pilate, who is the Roman governor of Judea at that point in time. And he's trying to figure out, is Jesus a threat to Rome? Do I need to crucify this guy as an insurrectionist or a rebel? And so he's trying to figure out if Jesus is making a claim to be a rival 
rival king to Caesar. And so Jesus says to Pilate, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. And the Greek word there is cosmos. It can be, trans, uh, it can be translated either world or you could think of realm, that there are different realms that we can live in. And that's what we're really going to talk about is how, living in the old realm versus living in the new realm. This is the truth that I want you to hear this morning, that we can live in the old realm within our flesh and our old ways of living in opposition to God, or we can be transferred out of darkness into light and live in the new realm that God has established through Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection. And so Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this, this world or this realm. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Are you a king then? Pilate asked. You say that I am a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this and have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who listen, or excuse me, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And that's a pretty interesting statement. Jesus says, I came into this world or this realm for this purpose, to testify to the truth. Now he said that he came here for other reasons as well. Jesus said that he came to seek and save the lost. But in order to seek and save the lost, he was going to testify testify or proclaim what is actually true about us as human beings, about who God truly is, and how we can have a right relationship with him, how sin can be dealt with. Uh, he's gonna, he, he came to share how broken we are apart from him and how we live in an opposition and rebellion to God, but that through his death and him being raised up on the cross, he was going to pay the consequences of our sin and draw us out of darkness and into light, uh, uh, away from being rebels and into being children of God. This is the truth that Jesus came to, to share. Now, Pilate, he answers and he says, what is truth? And that question that Pilate asked, uh, people have looked at it in different ways over the years. They've said, is he actually trying to figure out what truth is? Um, is this... Uh, Irritation with Jesus? He said, I asked you if you're a king, and then you give me a, a sideways answer. You know, is Pilate just irritated? Um, we're not exactly sure what he was doing, but we do know that what he didn't do was dive in further. What he didn't do was say, what is truth, and then ask some follow-up questions. His goal wasn't actually to understand what truth was. It was just to maintain the power and position that he had within his own life so that he could continue doing what he was doing. And so, what I hope you'll do this morning is dive into that question. What is truth? I hope what you'll do this morning is say, uh, is my understanding of truth right? Is, is, is my system of belief, and everybody has one, is my system of belief based upon my culture and my experiences? Is it subjective? Or is there something timeless outside of me and outside of my culture that would lead me to a, a deeper understanding of what life is and how I can be uh, all that God has created me to be? I hope that you'll dive into this question. Uh, Pilate didn't do that. He moved on and then eventually ended up crucifying Jesus. He washed his hands of the situation, but he wouldn't actually deal with the situation. And so you could do that this morning. You could wash your hands of this situation and close your ears and say, I'm not really here to uh, be transformed by God's word. Or you could say, you know what, I'll dive into this. And so what I hope you'll do is dive into it. And as we do this, what I want you to do is I'm going to read with you, and it's a longer section of verses, and so I, I would like every person to open a Bible, um, either on your phone or, or uh, 
open a Bible. And if you don't have one, they're in the seat pocket in front of you. And we're going to read John chapter 8, starting in verse 12. And as we do this, uh, I want you to follow along with me. And, and I want, what I want you to know is that there's, there's power in Jesus' words. In hearing what he had to say to groups of people, there's tremendous power in this. And so he's going to be addressing a group of primarily Jewish people during a Jewish holiday, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. And during the Feast of Tabernacles, there were several different things going on. But one of them is that they would take old robes uh, that the priests wore that were worn out, and they would then take the material from that and turn it into wicks. And then those wicks would be used in candles or lamps to light certain parts of the temple. And so Jesus is actually going to draw from this imagery of light um, to talk about truth. And one of the things that you see within the Gospel of John, anytime if you were to sit down and read the Gospel of John, anytime that he talks about light, he's talking about truth. He's talking about exposing areas where we have wrong, uh, wrong understanding of truth and giving us truth. And so that's what Jesus is going to do here, uh, is he's going to help us understand uh, who he is, who the Father is, who the Spirit is. He's going to talk about the triune God, and then he's going to talk to us about who we are as humans apart from the triune God, and he's also going to share with us how to deal with that problem. Okay, So that's what we're going to look at in these verses, starting in verse 12. It says, Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, My testimony is true, because I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know where I'm from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one, and if I do judge, my judgment is true, because it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Then they asked him, Where is your father? You know neither me nor my father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my father. He spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple, but no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. And you'll see that phrase throughout John. His hour had not yet come. His time to be handed over to the Jewish authorities and crucified had not yet come. This is about a year before that would take place. Verse 21. Then he said to them again, I am going away. You will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said to him again, you won't kill, He won't kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. You are from below, he told them. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Who are you? They questioned. Exactly what I've been telling you from the very beginning, Jesus told them. I have many things to say and to judge about you, but the one who sent me is true. And what I have heard from him, these things I tell the world. They did not know that he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to him, to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own. 
But just as the Father has taught me, I say these things. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, because I always do what pleases him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. They came to understand him, they came to trust in him as the Messiah. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are really my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him. We have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say, you will become free? Jesus responded, truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. I know you are descendants of Abraham, but you are trying to kill me because my word has no place among you. I speak what I have seen in the presence of my father. So then, you do what you have heard from your father. Our father is Abraham, they replied. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did. But you are trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You are doing what your father does. We weren't born of sexual immorality, they said. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if your father were God, you would love me because I came from God and I am here. For I didn't come of my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are of your father the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature, because he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Who among you can convict me of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you are not from God. The Jews responded to him, Aren't we right in saying you, have a Samarit you are a Samaritan and have a demon? I do not have a demon, Jesus answered. On the contrary, I honor my father and you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and judges. Truly I tell you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Then the Jews said, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died and so do the prophets. You say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died? Who do you claim to be? I glorify myself. If I glorify myself, Jesus answered, my glory is nothing. My Father, about whom you say he is our God, he is the one who glorifies me. You do not know him, but I know him. If I were to say I don't know him, I would be a liar like you. But you do not know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews replied, You aren't 50 years old, and yet you have seen Abraham. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. And he makes this claim of eternity. The Word made flesh, the Logos, the, the, the eternal God dwelling among us. They, they received this as blasphemy, so they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden and went out of the temple. 
So you have this interaction where he's drawing out so much about what it is to live in the old realm and live in the new realm. And if you'll look at your handout, there's a handful of things there. Uh, the first one is that in the old realm, we walk in darkness. In the new realm, we have the light of life. The old realm, we walk in... I don't know if you ever walked around a place you don't really know that well in the dark. It's not very much fun. You end up stubbing your toes. You run into things. And what God is saying is that's how most of us stumble through life. Uh, we stumble without truth. We're constantly hurting ourselves and hurting other people because we, we don't see what's actually around us. And then when we come into a relationship with Jesus, he transfers us from the old realm to the new realm and we have the light of life. All of a sudden we can see life and ourselves and God for what it truly is. We gain a perspective that we could never have on our own and God reveals to us the truth. The other thing is that in the old realm, we, we judge according to human standards. And in the new realm, we judge according to God's standards. Um, we, in, in the old realm, it's all, about, it's all about what's right within our culture. It's all about what feels good to me as an individual. It's all about uh, all the things that don't actually lead to life. These human standards that we judge by. And then when we come to understand who God is and we're entered into his truth, all of a sudden we're able to judge things for what they truly are. We can see life for what it is. We understand marriage to be what it is. We, we see morality for what it is. All the areas of our lives that are gray. All of a sudden, God's word enters the picture. His truth enters our mind. And it shows us, finally, what life is intended to be. All that I'm intended to be. The, the value and purpose that God created me for. All of a sudden, I start living in it. And then he says these words about who our father is in the old realm. He says that in the old realm, our father is the devil. And then he describes the devil. He's, he describes him as, and that word devil, devil means accuser. He, he's the one that accuses us of, of falsehood. He's the, he's the one that deceives. His goal is to take life and deceive. He's a murderer and a liar. And so in the old realm, we follow the patterns of our father. And so in the old realm, uh, we take from others and we deceive ourselves and others. And so what he's saying here is that we follow the patterns of our father. Now, if you don't have kids, uh, my, my son Decker, he does things that I do whether he likes it or not. There are so many times where I look at him and I go, oh my goodness, um, that's exactly what I did as a, as a kid. Um, maybe I can help him. Um, <laughs> But we do what our fathers do. Uh, in fact, I, I, don't, I didn't know my grandfather very well. My, my mom's dad, uh, Grandpa Larry, he, he, uh, I maybe have a total of six or eight hours one-on-one -on -one with him. Uh, I just didn't get to know him very much. And then he had cancer and died. And so, so I didn't really ever get to know him. I know things about him, but I didn't know him. And one of the things that's interesting is both my dad and my mom will say that I do things, I have traits and characteristics that he had. Well, I never spent enough time with him to gather them by proximity. They're just ingrained. And in some ways, that's what God is saying to us here. That in our old self, in, in Adam, in the fallen human state, our father is the devil. And because he is our father, we emulate his characteristics. And when we emulate his characteristics, we're going to take from others and deceive ourselves and others. Now, one of the things that happens when we come to follow Jesus as Lord is that we now become children of God. 
He becomes our father. And we're transferred from being rebellious towards God to being his children. And now all of a sudden, because we have a new father, we have new traits and new characteristics that are passed on to us through our fellowship with the triune God. As the spirit of God indwells us, he causes his characteristics to show up. And so in the old realm, we would take life and deceive. In the new realm, we live like Jesus and we give life and offer truth. Right? This is the transformation that should take place in us when we follow Jesus. It used to be, I have to take from you, and I am deceived myself, and I am deceiving you. But now that I've entered into a relationship with God and allowed him to be my head, I'm following the direction that he leads. And as I am a member of the body of Christ, the characteristics of Jesus show up in me. And all of a sudden, things are very different. Instead of deceiving and taking life, I am offering truth and seeking to give life. And so uh, we go from this place of take and deceive to give and offer truth. This is something that should take place with, for us as our, our father changes. He also tells us that previously in the old realm, we were dead in our sins, uh, hopeless and helpless, without the ability to save ourselves or make things right. We were, we were doomed to die in our sins, unless a Savior comes along. And so what happens is that when we believe Jesus, we recognize that through his death on the cross, our sins were paid in full once and for all. I'm no longer dead in my sins and doomed to be condemned, but instead there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ and I have been raised to walk in newness of life and God will never talk to me about the sins that I committed in the old self but instead those are paid for by Jesus done away with once and for all. I didn't do anything to earn it. I didn't do anything to deserve it but God sure does love me enough to go I don't want you over here anymore. Allow me to deal with your sin and give you grace. And so we're transferred He also reveals that we were without truth or freedom. And then Jesus says, if you know the truth, if you, if you keep his words, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's this recognition that in the old realm, all the best I could hope for was that I might be good at keeping rules a little bit. Um, the best I could hope for was that I might be able to indulge my flesh and feel some sense of numbness. The best that I could hope for was compare myself to you and be a little bit better than you. And there's no freedom there. Uh, all I could do was say, well, maybe I could be a little bit better than you and compare myself to you and play the legalist game. Or uh, maybe the legalist game isn't the game I like to play. Maybe I like to play the indulge my flesh game. And so I don't care if I look better than you, but I'm going to have more fun than you. And there's no freedom. There's no life. And so what God does is he says, I'm going to transfer you out of that silliness without truth or freedom. And you're no longer enslaved to your, your sin. And, and you're no longer deter, you no longer have to live out the desires of your flesh. But instead, we're going to have truth and freedom. And God's going to give us the liberty to live in the purpose and value that he's built into us as human beings with the image of God. We could never live out the fullness of the image of God in the old realm by our own strength. But when God moves us over here, the image of God that is within us, the value and virtue 
of the triune God is then instilled in us and we become partakers of the divine nature and we live in a way that we would never live on our own. And that value and virtue then pours out of us, not because of our own ability or strength, but because the spirit of God indwells us and we live in this freedom. He says that we were slaves to sin previously, chained to it, bound to it, unable to break away. But in Jesus, we have been set free. No longer bound to sin. No longer bound to death. Here's another one that he says. He says, in the old realm, we would actually seek to kill Jesus. We would plug our ears to what he had to say to us and squash the life that he wants to give us. We would stiff arm him, push him away, and tell him that we want nothing to do with him. That in and of ourselves, we're fine, we're sufficient. Truth isn't something that's absolute and given by God. Truth is something that I make up for myself. Uh, and, and you can make it up for yourself. And you do what you want to do, and I'll do what I want to do. And the postmodern movement and the current that is uh, the, the water that we live in, in the United States of America, rejects God. The Western world and all the ideals of it says we don't need him. We're fine by ourselves. Secular humanism has made its way into all of our thinking, whether we recognize it or not. And so we, we don't want to be conformed to the pattern of this world as believers, but instead we want to be transformed into a new way of thinking by renewing our minds on what is right and what is true and what is good. And so we don't fall for this old nonsense anymore. Instead of squashing Jesus and not hearing what he has to say to us, we long for his voice. We run to his presence. We live in the freedom that he has bought us. We desire transformation. We desire purpose and direction that only he can give. We find eternal life in Jesus. And so, so those are some of the things that Jesus reveals about the old and the new realm. If you were to read Ephesians chapter 1, you would see that Paul probably is paraphrasing most of John chapter 8. And he's taking from what John has revealed uh, and, and paraphrasing it into his own words. So when we talk about the blessings of the new realm, uh, what we have to realize is that they are abundant and unbelievable. And I'm going to say this word unbelievable, and, and I want you to hear it, that this is hard to believe. And I don't mean in your mind, I mean in your life. This is hard to believe. And so one of the first things that is revealed to us is that we become children of God and we have this new identity. In John chapter 1, it says, All who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God, those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but by God. You have to understand that this has taken place. When you believe in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, you are not who you were anymore. And so many people hold on to their sin pattern being who they are. In fact, one of the things that our society does is they tell you that your sexuality is your identity. It's not. Your identity is not your sin. It's not your favorite pattern. It's, it's not the things that you've done in the past. It's not something that someone has done to you in the past. That is not your identity. God has transferred you away from that and he now calls you his child. 
And whatever harm that was done to you or that you did to others is no longer part of your identity. It probably never should have been in the first place. But God gives you a new identity as his child. And so this is hard to believe, isn't it? Especially for those of us who have patterns of sin in our lives that are strong. Because we have a tendency to think that what we do in our flesh is who we are in our relationship with God. But it is not. God has freed you from that, and it's not who you are. It may have been part of your old patterns of life, but Jesus Christ, he tells you to take off the old self and put on the new self. And so I make a choice each and every day, what suit am I going to wear? Am I going to wear the suit of sin and shame and death in the old realm, or am I going to put on the new suit in Jesus Christ that is life and righteousness and truth? These are things that we decide as believers every morning that you wake up, whether you do it on purpose or by accident, you do it. And so it's pretty hard to believe sometimes. The other thing that he reveals is that the spirit of truth, that each and every believer has the Holy Spirit living within us, and that power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in us. Jesus says in John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. Whoa. Uh, that he's going to tell us about uh, some things that are going to happen in the future. And when we get to John's revelation later on after Easter, you'll see what John is talking about. He, he will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. Do you understand that the triune God takes up residence in you? That the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are in you? That the same power that created the mountains that we look out there are in an awe of? The same power that knows the, the finite details of a cell? The same power that created those with his, with his very words? The same power that took dirt and formed it into a human and then breathed the breath of life into it and gave us the image of God making us something that nothing else on this earth is? Uh, that same power is in you? And so when you're faced with temptation in this old self, in this old realm, and you go, boy, that, looks, that's, that sin looks pretty tasty, just like that piece of fruit looked tasty to Adam and Eve, and they wanted to determine for themselves what was true and what was right. It still looks tasty to me. But you know what? I don't go for it anymore because the one that I know over here in the new realm, the new creation that I am with the Spirit of God dwelling inside me, it's not silly enough to live in lies and fall for the deception. Instead, I recognize that the Spirit of God inside of me is far more powerful than that and so I'm going to live for my eternal value and purpose rather than momentary pleasure that I'll feel guilty about later. I'm going to live in eternal value and, and purpose that draws people into relationship with Jesus rather than tarnishing my reputation as a follower of Jesus by indulging in sin. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to do this. I, I'm, I'm here. I'm with Christ. And it's one thing to say that. It's another to believe it. And what we do reveals what we believe. And so there are areas of unbelief that God has to deal with in our lives. That he's drawing out and showing us a better way. 
The other thing that's so unbelievable, and, and I shared it briefly already, and John 17, we have unity with the Father, close relationship with God. He is not far off. He is not distant. He is not mad at you. He is not upset with you. He is not surprised when we stumble. He's just not. He, he understands us. He, he becomes our Father. We are his children. And, and you have to understand that uh, sometimes we can live in this silly place over here. Uh, this week I was working with, uh, doing some homeschooling with my son. We sit down with the book and, and he, the first thing I say, hey, it says that we're supposed to go to this part of the book and work on some, some words that you're, you're reading for practice. And he says, well, mom doesn't normally do that. Are you sure, Dad, is essentially... Like, you don't know what you're talking about, Dad, is essentially what I was told. And so I had this moment of, one, yeah, I know what it says. You want to read it with me? And two, who do you think you're talking to? Like, who, who am I that you treat me as some equal? I'm not equal with you, son. I'm your father, and you owe me respect. Not because I deserve it, but because God has set the family up this way. And if you're going to learn to honor God, then you're first going to have to learn to honor me. And if you can't learn to honor me, the odds of you learning to honor God are pretty slim. And I need you to trust me, because if you can't trust your earthly father living right in front of you, the odds of you being able to trust your heavenly father, there's going to be some hurdles for you to overcome. But, but as I looked at him and I said, who do you think you're talking to? And I think there are probably times where we need to hear these words in our, in our interaction with God. Who do we think we're talking to? Certainly he calls us friend. But if you think you're on the same level with the triune God who created you and knit you in your mother's womb, if you think you can determine right and wrong for yourself without him, there is a serious wake-up call coming. But we do have unity with him, and this is amazing. Uh, we also have the abundance of God's grace. In John 17, 10, it says, Everything I have is yours. Everything you have is mine. I have glorified them. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenlies. We lack nothing. Do you ever feel like you lack something? Do you see what I mean between it, by it being unbelievable? Unbelievable. God says, you and I, as followers of Jesus, lack nothing. My guess is sometime during this week, you're going to think, I need something. Or you're going to feel like you need something to feel whole, to feel complete, to be able to love your spouse, to be able to, whatever it is, you're going to feel like you need something. And what he's revealing here is that we need nothing. Uh, the other thing, so... What, what is life like in the new realm? Is it up there? So we're given citizen, citizenship in heaven, new life, or protection, citizenship in heaven, new life, and mission. In John 17, uh, he says this, I am not praying that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. Um, we live in the old realm, and God has us here, but we don't live in the old realm. 
we have we have protection from the things that are going on in this world. He then says they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And so God has given us a new place and a new position as citizens of heaven. He goes on there and he says, "Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth." And, and so we recognize that uh, we are we are being made like Jesus day by day. That each and every day we are uh, transformed by the truth of God's word. He says, as you have sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And so we, we recognize that there's this mission that God has given us. Uh, that as Jesus came into the world, and remember, what did Jesus come into the world to do? He came into the world to testify to truth and to seek and save the lost. And so there's this idea that we are called into that mission as well as followers of Jesus. So all the places where maybe you feel like you shouldn't speak up about truth, all the places where maybe you feel like the culture is telling you to be quiet, God has sent us into the world the same way that he sent the Father into the world, to testify of truth and to seek and save the lost. You have to recognize that this is what God has called us to as Christians. And so when you feel like you're supposed to be quiet because it's what the culture wants, be courageous and speak up. Share the truth in love. The other thing that you might ask is how do we move from the old realm to the new realm, the finished work of Jesus? You have to recognize that um, you don't do anything to be saved. There are no, uh, There is no act of penance to perform. There is no special prayer to pray. There is a moment of belief and trust in Jesus. But you don't do anything to be saved. Uh, when Jesus is on the cross in John 19, it says, After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished and that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they fixed a sponge to the sour wine, full of sour wine, on a branch of on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. That phrase, it is finished, uh, means paid in full. He screamed out, paid in full. And one of the ways that they would use that phrase was that people would actually sell themselves into slavery. They would owe a debt, and so they would sell themselves into slavery as indentured servants. And like even when people came to the United States, right, when they moved from England to here, they would sell themselves seven years of indentured servant, and so they would come across the ocean, they would live as a slave to somebody that owned land over here, and when they had paid off their debt to that individual and to, to get across the sea, they would then be freed. And so in Greek times, in Roman times, what they would do for an individual that had paid off their debt through slavery, they would take this, a stamp that said this, and put it on their certificate of debt, that they their slavery had been worked off and they were now free. And so what Jesus Christ yells out from the cross is that though we were once slaves to sin, by his blood and in his blood the stamp has been dipped in his blood and on the certificate of debt that we owe to sin it now says paid in full by Jesus Christ the Lord it is done with right uh, so there's nothing owed to God because of our sin we are freed from it and so it is the finished work of Jesus that brings us into new life and salvation and that's what I want you to hear this morning I, I, I also want you to kind of ask yourself where do I live do I live in this old realm and if you're not sure do the behaviors that you exhibit take from others and deceive 
Or are you living in the new realm, being transferred by the blood of Christ uh, out of darkness and into life? And the way that you can know this is the fruit of the Spirit shows up in you, and you're now not taking from others and deceiving, but instead you're blessing others and offering truth. And again, this isn't something that you do in your own strength. This isn't something that I do in my own strength. I make myself available to the power and spirit of God. I say that I'm a new creation in Christ, that in, 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 in being made in the image of God, I have value and virtue that is not of myself, but God has granted it to me. And now that his spirit lives in me, I want to live as Christ would live and allow him to empower me. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. We're going to share in communion right now. Um, Roger's going to come up. The point behind this is uh, we're going to remember what Jesus has done. We're going to thank him for his death. We're going to remember his blood spilled on our behalf to pay for sin, his body broken in our place. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for our time together in your word. We thank you that... Uh, um, Though we once lived in darkness, we are now transferred into light. We once lived without truth. We are now uh, united to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. We are united to the one who is the light of the world. And so we thank you, Father, that your son Jesus has done everything necessary for us to be united to you. And that we can experience newness of life. We want to thank you for that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in and joining us today. We hope that this message encourages you to continue taking steps towards seeking and understanding God's truth. The dream is that Hilltop is a home for the growing family of God, and we're so glad that you are a part of the family.